Hello friends, family, strangers. So today I'm going to talk to you about Oklahoma murders. And today I'm working on a cardigan for my friend Jenna. It's a really cute striped cardigan. These are always so awkward to start. I don't know how to start this without being an awkward teenager. That I'm not anymore, but I also still am. Hey guys, what's up? I'm going to be talking about a murder in Skyhook, Oklahoma, which is where I grew up, and then also a murder in um, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And they're both they're both pretty interesting. One's really short because it happened in Skyhook, and that town is so small. And the other one, obviously, Broken Arrow. Um, Oh yes, before I get started and before I forget, there's a giveaway going on on my page right now. This will come this episode will come out Friday morning and the giveaway ends on Saturday. I I know all the facts obviously. Go to my Instagram page, Crochet and Crime Podcast. You'll you'll see it. Share it, tag me in it, comment on it, follow me, follow everybody else in the giveaway. You could win a $10 Starbucks gift card, an Etsy course. You can probably hear my breathing really bad right now. Um, I don't care. You could win a Etsy course. You could win a Spotify keychain. You could win a pair of earrings. And then you could win also a macrame car mirror hangy thingy. It's really cute. And then for me, obviously, like you could win a scarf and a beanie. But go join that, go enter it, you could win, and in the future, there'll be more giveaways. But let's get, in, let's get into the murder. I really need to buy a microphone that won't, like, pop when I blow air. Because, I mean, I use my phone, you know? So I need to buy a microphone that has, like, a pop filter over it so that I could not sound like I'm blowing your eardrums out every time I say the word p (laughs) um the way i have my microphone set up right now i'm literally just balancing my phone on top of two candles from good gordman's i almost said goodwill goodwill oh my god i can't talk goodwill but it's not goodwill it's gordman's i have my phone on top of two candles from gordman's balancing on my bed it's they're not lit don't worry um this is my first time podcasting at night i usually podcast at like 9 to 11 a.m but it's currently nine o'clock at night and it's thursday night and i usually record my podcasts like monday or tuesday but you know we we waited to the last possible second today let's you don't care about this let's get into the murder okay so the murder in sky took um it involves a grandmother and a sister and then the brother slash grandson um this is a short one like i said before but it's just as important as the one i'll read after so it'll be quick and not as detailed but it's still important so a family friend found 74 year old esther 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 wow yep i have a i have a degree for sure Driscoll's body in the hallway of her Skyjook home on January 28th, 2014. But the next morning, 
Investigators found 16-year-old Larissa Fraley's body in an abandoned van in Osage County. These two were murdered by their grandson and brother, Michael Devin Stanley. Michael was 17 when he stabbed his grandmother and sister to death on January 27, 2014, and it is thought that he stabbed his grandmother 10 times in the chest before kidnapping his sister and killing her in Osage County after she said that he couldn't keep her with him forever like he wanted to. He then told authorities that his sister wanted to call the police after the grandmother had been killed, so he pulled her ov- he pulled over in the van and stabbed her with a small paring knife in the neck, chest, and arms, the same one he had used to kill Driscoll, his grandmother. Stanley claimed that his grandmother had been on to him about doing the dishes before he stabbed her, and because Driscoll's found found huh? Because Driscoll's body was found in Tulsa County, Stanley was charged with her murder there. But since his sister's body was found in Osage County, he was charged with her murder in Osage County. Um, He ended up pleading guilty to stabbing his sister to death and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And later on, like a a couple years later, I think, he received a second life in prison without the possibility of parole sentence for the killing of his grandmother. So the reason I wanted to throw this in here, because originally I was just going to do the one that I'm about to tell you guys, but then my stepmom and I were talking and we were like, oh yeah, I remember that one. I remember like hearing so many rumors about this one and like, it's a small town, like obviously rumors are going to spread, but I remember hearing things like, oh yeah, he killed his grandma and then like rolled her body up in a rug and then like hid her somewhere and then his sister was going to tell someone. So a couple days later, he went and killed her like obviously that's not true but i don't know man small town murder rumors aren't they the bee's knees okay so this next one and the larger one is the bever family murders it's spelled b-e-v-e-r and i'm almost certain it's bever but my brain keeps wanting to say beaver even though phonetically that's like not how it works um so bever family Yeah, this happened in Broken Arrow. So in the small town of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, in 2015, on the night of July 22nd and into the early morning of July 23rd, five of the Bever family members were killed. Thankfully, a two-year-old and a 13-year-old girl survived the brutal attack and later on led the police in in the correct direction to find the assailants. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. A lot of mental illness that that's what it is um robert bever who was 18 at the time and with michael bever who was 16 at the time were identified by their younger sister as the ones who committed the crime so oh my shoulder just cracked david bever was 52 at the time of the crime and he was the father he was killed by at least 28 stab wounds to the torso face neck and left arm slash hand April Bever was 44 at the time, she was the mother, and she was killed by blunt force trauma and more than 48 wounds to the neck, head, torso, arms, and hands. Daniel Bever was 12 at the time and was killed by 9 stab wounds to the back, shoulder, and chest. Christopher Bever was 7 at the time and was killed by 6 stab wounds to the back, chest, shoulder, and lower legs. Victoria Bever was 5 at the time and was killed by 18 stab wounds to both sides of the neck, chest, back, and upper arm. Crystal Bever was 13 at the time and survived a slit throat and stab wounds to the stomach and arms. 
Autumn Bever, who was two at the time, was found uninjured and sleeping in her bedroom. So, this is how that night went down. I have to move because I have the lip, the lips, the lips of an old lady, the hips of an old lady. God, I love not being able to speak. So, around 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, 2015, police were called to 709 Magnolia Court by a phone call made by 12-year-old Daniel Bever, who stated that his older brother was attacking the family. In the background of the phone call, screaming and commotion can be heard before the line suddenly goes dead. Dispatchers were able to track the address by searching the phone number, and after a failed attempt to reach the father, David, by a phone call, officers were dispatched to the scene. When the first responding officers arrived on the scene, they saw a porch covered in blood. They knocked on the door, only to hear a faint voice calling for help, which caused them to force their way into the house. When they broke down the door, they found 13-year-old Crystal Bever bleeding from multiple stab wounds. After pulling her from the crime scene, they discovered the two youngest children in the bathroom on the first floor. David and Daniel, the 12-year-old who made the phone call, were found upstairs, and April's body was found near a couch in the living room on the first floor. They were all found deceased by wounds received from knives and possibly a hatchet. Knives, hatchets, and other bladed weapons were found at the scene of the crime along with protective gear. Crystal ended up surviving her injuries but was critically injured and went on to identify two of her brothers as the ones who committed the familicide, saying that they lured her into a bedroom before slitting her throat and stabbing her in the stomach and arms. She underwent surgery and was listed as in serious but stable condition, and two-year-old Autumn Bever was also found alive and unharmed inside the house. Autumn and Crystal were put into state custody as the parents and three other children were all killed in the attack. The two brothers fled the scene through the back door of the house upon hearing the police arrive and headed into the wooded area behind the property. They were found fairly quickly with the use of a canine unit and arrested without struggle. They were both found covered in dirt and blood, and Robert had a knife at the time of his arrest but didn't use it against the police. One of the brothers admitted that the plans for the murders were stored on a flash drive, flash drive inside the home, which was later retrieved by police the second time they searched the house. They also found computer equipment and video surveillance cameras, which they believed recorded this, the familicide as they were located near the three, three of the bodies were found. They were located near where three of the bodies were found, which is absolutely disgusting. Like, not only was this attack more than likely, actually, yes, very likely, um, premeditated, like, yes, it was premeditated, but they also, like, planned on or did end up filming it, that's disgusting so it was later determined that the brothers planned to make two videos one showing the bodies of their family that would be able to be shown to investigators and prosecutors and one that wouldn't show the bodies so that it would be able to be hosted online what in the frick also um while i was researching this case i like stumbled upon their initial mug shots like the night that they got taken in go look those up because you need to know what the face of a monster looks like. It's chilling, honestly. Um, although there's never a reason to murder your entire family, possible motives for a situation like this are interesting to discover, especially for me because that's my degree. <laughs> neighbors, neighbors to the family said that parents homes, the parents homeschooled their children and kept an almost too close of an eye on them, restricting them from mingling with the neighbors or other children. 
Like, first of all, don't homeschool your kids, apparently, because that seems to be a common theme in these cases. Uh, second of all, don't tell your kids that they can't talk to anyone, because then they're, the, they're going to become antisocial psychopaths. Uh, yeah, not victim blaming, but also, like, don't set your kids up, kids up for failure. I should just stop recording. I cannot talk. The family was reported as being inconspicuous. Um, obviously, that's not my vocabulary. I definitely stole that from an article. Um, the family was being... Re- oh, my gosh. Ah! The family was reported as being inconspicuous and that some neighbors only knew the names of the family members after the murder spree had happened. Which, I mean, kind of fair. Like, I don't know all my neighbors' names. Granted, I live in an apartment complex full of college kids. Um, I only know, like, three of my neighbors' names, and I have eight neighbors. Like, eight units. Well, seven, not including us. Anyways. Uh, defense attorneys said that the father was physically and verbally abusive towards the entire family, which aligned with Crystal's testimony. Crystal was the one that survived. Um, Robert claimed that both parents were hateful and abusive to him and all of his siblings, and that... Or, and Robert, the 18-year-old, confessed to committing the familicide and that he and his brother had planned the attack for some time before then. He also admitted to planning a shooting spree outside of the family and hoping it would be rival or even outdo the 1999 Columbine shooting. Um, yeah, you you need some help, bro. You need some help. Uh, mentally, not as in, like, you need someone to help you commit that crime. That sounded... That could that could have been taken the wrong way. Clarified. There we go. Uh, he later stated that he and his brother planned to dismember the bodies of their families and place them into storage bins to hide in the attic of their home. Uh, yeah, he claimed that they planned to steal the family car, shoot and kill five random people at multiple different locations, and eventually achieve a body count of at least 50 people. But thankfully, they are dumb and got caught. Um, also, that smell in the attic, that... Mm, that wouldn't be too grand. My shoulder just popped again. This is why I don't record at night. I feel like I'm losing my mind. An officer who interviewed Robert said that he was obsessed with serial killers. Uh, same. And he hoped to strike in locations outside of Oklahoma and wanted to achieve a body... Oh, I already wrote that. He wanted to... I don't know if I, I was on something when I was recording or typing this up, but I wrote that... He wanted, outside of Oklahoma, he wanted to achieve a body count of up to 500 people or more. So maybe in Oklahoma, he wanted to achieve a 550 people. I don't know. I could make a sex joke too, but I feel like that's not okay in this circumstance. So we're just going to skip over that entire part. Yeah. Uh, The brothers went to court on August 3rd, 2015. I wrote 2025 and pleaded not guilty to the charges filed against them. A preliminary hearing was set for October 28, 2015, and the date was later changed to February 23, 2016. Rightfully so. The brothers were charged with five counts of first-degree murder and one count of assault and battery with the intent to kill. On July 25th, authorities announced that Michael Beffer would be charged as an adult, even though he was 16 at the time. A conviction of first-degree murder is life in prison or the death penalty, but the Tulsa County District Attorney stated that Michael would be exempt from the death sentence since he was under the age of 18 at the time of the crime. You know, he still committed it, though. Uh, Robert is currently housed in the Joseph Harp Correctional Center, and Michael is in the Lexington Correctional Center. So, if you want to send hate mail, there you go. Um, 
Also, on June 17th, Robert had attempted suicide by hanging with the bedsheet and was moved to suicide watch. You don't, you don't get to get out of stuff like this, sir. You don't get to get out of that. Uh, mysteriously, on March 18th, 2017, the vacant home where the murders took place was set on fire and the, the fire destroyed the house. The cause of the fire was never found, but because of this disaster, funds were raised to turn the home into a memorial garden that would merge with the existing park behind the house. And on July 25th, 2019, Robert attempted to attack some prison staff. Um, two of the staff members were standing in the day room at the Joseph Harp Correctional Center. And about 4.40 p.m., Robert approached them from behind with a weapon. One of the staff members, a social service specialist, wrapped him in a bear hug and ordered him to drop the weapon. And the incidents caused him to receive another life sentence. And there you have it, folks. That is the... Bever family murders. What do you think about it? I think that Michael and Robert are scum. Um, I also read somewhere, or maybe I heard this just from being in Oklahoma, that what happened was the older brother was like in a room ready to kill them, and Michael, the younger one that was part of the attack, um, Sorry, I keep kicking a bag. <laughs> the younger one pretended to be the one being attacked that would so he could lure the other siblings and the parents into the room. And then once they were in there, they would both attack the family members. But you know, I'm I'm glad they're locked up. They need a lot of psychological evaluations. I think we all could use some of those. Um, yeah, this one was kind of speedy. I'm sorry. This, not that, you know, I'm already putting this podcast off, but I had a really busy weekend and then this next weekend's going to be really busy too. And I just feel like I did not have time to get all of my other life stuff done before I could sit down and record slash research for this episode. So this episode's kind of shorter. Um, but also like, Sometimes shorter episodes are fun, so next week I will try to be better, um, but also I don't really care what anybody else thinks, you know? It's the beauty of life. Uh, don't forget to enter the giveaway. Go to Crochet and Crime Podcast on Instagram. Enter the giveaway. It's super easy. You could win some really rad stuff. Um, don't forget to lock your doors. And don't forget to not talk to creepy men. And I'll see you next Friday at 8 a.m. Okay. Bye.